Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. everybody welcome to the roto world football podcast i am your host raymond summerlin and i am joined today as i am every single thursday by nick minzio to talk about the best starts and most notable sits for week seven of the fantasy football season i will also be joined later on in the podcast by rich rebar who is graciously giving us his time despite the fact that he has some big news i guess i'll let rich announce but so it's really exciting that he's able to make the podcast and we'll talk obviously about his weekly worksheet column so make sure you make sure you stay tuned for that before we get to all of that however as always i want to mention the best way that you can help out the podcast is by rating and reviewing wherever you find it whether that be on Stitcher or on iTunes or some other service rating and reviewing helps other people find the show and it helps us in the ranking. So please rate and review early and often as much as possible. And we, we appreciate that immensely. All right. With that out of the way, let's get to the action. What's up, Nick? What's going on, Ray? It's good week. Good week coming off. Probably one of the better weeks I've had all season. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. It, there was some, uh, there was some sweating going on, on, on Sunday night in the, uh, in the old Roto world group chat. Definite so, sweat. Uh, <laughs> so I'm glad it worked out. I think it worked out for both you and Evan, right? Yeah, it worked out pretty well. That's nice. I, I, I also had some success. I, uh, I won a five man. So, <laughs> so everybody's excited about that for That's me. That's awesome. Yeah, it's exciting. But uh, Doug Martin's not dead, so I'm taking that as a win. Like, he are might we, never play again, but he's Are not we sure dead. about that? I don't know. No one's seen him yet. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for trying. Thanks for trying to ruin all of my dreams. No. All right, let's, uh, let's get on to what we do, it seems like. We talk about it before we record every, every single week. Just the amount, the volume of news this season seems like it's higher than it's ever been. Maybe that's recency bias. I don't know. But it seems like there's so much more news. Certainly, there was a lot of news on Wednesday when we record this podcast, the biggest being C.J. Anderson, who was able to play through his knee injury he suffered Monday night, but now it looks like he's going to miss at least a couple games or even some rumors that he could be out the rest of the season with, with, I believe, a bone bruise, although I don't even know if that's been confirmed yet. Devontae Booker is expected to shoulder the vast majority of the carries with Anderson out. So how are we valuing Devontae Booker moving forward? Oh man, you got to lock Booker in as an as an RB one for sure moving forward. I mean, Denver is what I think seventh in rushing attempts or something like that, and like eighth in rush percentage. So this is a run based offense. 
and we we saw it dating back to the days with Arian Foster. Even last week, they they split thirty three carries or something like that. So I'm close to that, over thirty for sure. But I mean, Booker is going to handle as much as he can, and Kubiak said that on on Wednesday they did, that it's up to up to Booker how much he's going to play. So if he can handle the load, he's going to handle as much as he can, and twenty touches at minimum is what I'm expecting. And for Booker, I mean, it looks like he's going to start for sure the next three games leading up to their bye, which he gets the Chargers this week. That's not a good, as good of a matchup as you might think it is based on what the Chargers have been in the past. They are better against the run. It's still not a bad matchup. He's still going to be a top five running back, I think. Then he gets the Raiders and Saints, which those are two of the best matchups you could have. Then we go up to the bye. Maybe Anderson gets back at that point. But if you look at the Broncos' schedule the rest of the way, then they get the Chiefs, the Jaguars, Titans, Patriots, Chiefs, Raiders. I mean... There's not any games in there that you're scared of. There aren't really any, I don't think, great games in there except for the Raiders in Week 17, which might not matter for a lot of fantasy teams. But Booker's falling into a situation that he could be, he's going to be, if he's the starter, a running back one the rest of the way. And that's that's certainly something that, uh, if he's out there on the wire, and by the way, he was still, as the time we're recording now, he was still on the wire in 49% of Yahoo leagues. Ridiculous. Despite the fact that I have had him as a one or two add among running backs for the last three weeks go and pick up Devonte booker if he's in if he's in your he's out there in your league for some reason all right let's move on to jordan reed who was able to practice on wednesday but after practice it came out coach jay gruden said he's going to have to go and visit an independent doctor on thursday to gain full clearance which is important because the redskins are leaving on thursday to fly to london for their game against the Bengals. he likely needs to be cleared by then to play to even get onto the plane so if that's kind of the if that's kind of the finish line, if that's where he has to be, do you see him playing this week or, or how do you see the situation folding unfolding based on what you read? I mean, I'm just going off pure gut. I mean, I, don't, I have no clue what his health status is. I mean, he's suffered six concussions in six years, so it could take a while for him to clear. But he went to the, to the same doctor on th- last Thursday, didn't get clearance. I guess he's going again tomorrow. He said he feels 100%. I mean... I don't know if Reed knows what 100% even is anymore since he's had so many concussions. But if he doesn't play, doesn't get on the plane, I mean, that definitely locks in Vernon Davis as a, as a tight end one. He's playing over 90% of the snaps, pretty much every snap. Gets another fine matchup against a team that allows plenty of catches to tight ends. And uh, I'd lock Vernon Davis in as a tight end one immediately. And he's still dirt cheap, stone minimum 4,500 on Fandle this week too. Yeah, and I think that... I think that you, you mentioned how many he's played. He's played 97% of the snaps the last two weeks, 10 total That's targets. Crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. He's a no brainer tight end one. If Reed doesn't play. And then if Reed plays, you mentioned the matchup. I mean, he goes right back in. So this is a situation. The good news is we should know when they get on the plane on Thursday. I can't, I can't see a scenario where Reed travels with them to London and then doesn't play in the game. Yeah. Totally so if, with you. So if he's on the plane on Thursday, then I'm, I'm trusting that he's going to play. So that's something that at least we should get resolved early in the week another injury situation we got resolved pretty early in the week is of Dante Moncrief who returned to practice on Wednesday and everybody has said he's going to play week eight against the Chiefs he's going to play this week so how are you going to value Moncrief in his first game back from the shoulder injury yeah I look at him as like a high upside play this matchup is pretty good I mean it's at home on the turf a high total uh I think it's a 50 point total for the week which is one of the highest of the week and uh, I just love this spot for the Colts passing offense they're, they're not going to run the ball too well on on the Chiefs, and I just I treat Moncrief as a high upside t- touchdown, a good bet for a touchdown. I mean, he's going to take some of these uh, red zone targets away from Jack Doyle. T.Y. Hilton doesn't really isn't really factor in the red zone too often anyway. So 
I think this is a great spot to use Moncrief if he can avoid Marcus Peters for most of the day. And you mentioned the game total. I, I think that maybe people that don't pay attention to that would be surprised. I don't know if this is a game that you would look at and say, oh, that's a, that's a shootout. This game is probably going to be a shootout. The Chiefs have given up the second most points to wide receivers, including big games to all three Saints wide receivers last week. If you had if you had a Saints wide receiver last week, you did pretty well. So this is this is a good spot for him. And you mentioned the touchdowns. When he plays with Andrew Luck, Dante Moncrief in the last two years scores touchdowns. That's what he does. So this is a great situation for him. Does this hurt T.Y. Hilton a lot? I mean, it has to ding him a little bit, but are you worried about T.Y. Hilton now with Moncrief back? Yeah, I'm a, I think a, his targets are going to come down a little bit, maybe in the 8-9 to nine range instead of the 10-11, to 11, the 12 range. So, I mean, I, it's, Hilton's still an obvious wide receiver one. He's going to get one of the better matchups, run out of the slot, going to avoid Marcus Peters most of the day anyway. So Hilton's still an awesome play this week. Absolutely. And like to your point, he, he's probably going to see a decrease in targets, but he was a 10-target guy early in the year and it was a small sample I know but even with Moncrief in there he was getting 10 targets so I'm not I'm not that worried about Hilton at all all right let's get to your starts and sits we'll start off with CJ Fedorowicz who has turned into a reliable fantasy tight end the last several weeks despite Brock Osweiler just falling apart at the seams around him now he gets a matchup with the Lions are you going to trust him this week in this great matchup even with Brock throwing in the football Oh, yeah, I love Fedor, Fedorowicz this week. He's super cheap on FanDuel, still at 4900 Easy to plug in and get a ton of wide receiver studs in your lineup and an awesome quarterback. So I love this spot for Fedorowicz. The Lions have given up the third most catches, most touchdowns, and third most fantasy points to tight ends. And uh, Fedorowicz is actually eighth in the league among tight ends and targets per game over the past four weeks at 6.5. So he's, he's seeing an awesome workload. And he drew some loose Rob Gronkowski comparisons coming out of college, too. He's like a big red zone threat. Awesome, like really big dude can block and catch over the middle. So I love this spot for Fedorowicz. And this is a get right game for the entire offense. And I include Brock Osweiler in that, who I've been getting some gruff on Twitter about the fact that I think he's a streaming option this week. I'm totally with you on that, too. The Lions have been laughably bad against quarterbacks. I mean, terrible. Case Keenum was a quarterback, too, against them two weeks ago. And now they're without Darius Slay. I mean, it's. This is this sets up for Brock Osweiler, Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins, CJ Fedorowicz to all have big games, and I'm happy using them in DFS and in, in season long. Even with if we go over to the Saints, who are actually quarterbacked by a good quarterback and not Brock Osweiler, <laughs> uh, they have a rookie, Michael Thomas, who I have a I have a long love affair with Michael Thomas, dating back to the spring when I thought. He's one of the most underrated receivers in this class. He's established himself now as a weekly fantasy starter, even with Brandon Cooks and Willie Sneed there. But now he gets the Seahawks. Do you think that he's going to be able to kind of keep this momentum going against Seattle? Yeah, he's actually the only Saints pass catcher I like really actually trust this week. I'm not too big on Cooks or Willie Sneed, but Thomas is just seeing nine and a half targets per game over his last four, has seen seven red zone targets in that span. I mean, he's easily leading the team. So anytime they get in scoring position, Thomas is the one getting the ball. And I mean, he's come off a 10 catch, 130 game last week, 130 yard game last week. Uh, is super cheap on FanDuel still. His price just isn't coming up at all. So he's like a must play over there if you're going to use Drew Brees. And I, I just love this spot. Even if he's going to see Richard Sherman a little bit, I, I still think he's getting the ball when, whenever they get in scoring position. And Brees is at home. And when Drew Brees is at home, he scores fantasy points. And those have to, those have to go somewhere, and that's, that's just kind of the way you play it. If we move to the other side, maybe some guys that you're, you're not so in on. We look at Jordan Howard, who 
is scuffling a bit on a per carry basis to start with. Now he started to lose work to Kadeem Carey. It looks like Jeremy Lankford could be making his return as well. Is there any reason at all to trust Jordan Howard this week against the Vikings? No, even on a light week with six teams on by and not a ton of options, I still can't play Howard against the Vikings. He's just become impossible to trust with his snap share decreasing in three straight games. Kadeem Carey outrushing him in the past two. Like you said, Lankford's back at practice, probably going to muddy this thing up even further. And then Kerry was talking about on Wednesday how they're going to use a three-headed monster in the backfield going forward. So I'm just, I just can't trust any any of these guys in a tough draw against the Vikings. And to your point, the Vikings have not allowed a running back to go for over 56 yards yet this season. So they have just they have just stymied every rushing attack they faced. I'm with you 100%. A guy that I'm I was really surprised to see on this list is Jordan Matthews, who had been the model of consistency before he went for just 10 yards against the aforementioned Vikings. But again, I'm kind of treating the Vikings this year as we've treated the Seahawks in the past. Any performance against that team, we're just going to go ahead and throw it out and and we'll move on. Now he gets what looks like a much better matchup against the Cowboys, but you are still out on him. So tell us why owners should be cautious. Yeah, the individual individual matchup is definitely better, but just over his past four games, Matthews has only seen, seen four and a half targets per game after seeing 23 total in the first two games. I mean... His his just his volume has just evaporated. I mean, Wentz is spreading the ball around too much. They're not running a ton of plays. Philadelphia's bottom five in plays per game. Dallas is eighth in opponent plays per game. So this game just f- figures to be super slow between the two slowest paced offenses in football. So I'm just trying to avoid this game as much as as much as I can, be, unless I have Ezekiel Elliott or Des Bryant, obviously. Yeah, I mean Elliott. That's that's the play in this game. Elliott's going to have himself. A day. I understand it. And Orlando Skandrick was back on Wednesday, so that weakness they had at slot corner could could be going away. So I, it'll be interesting to see uh, see how this works out. Excellent stuff, as always, from Nick. His column is a must read every single week. It's available on Roto World right now as you listen to this. So make sure you go and check it out. You can also find Nick on Twitter at Nick Minzio, or as always, every single Thursday on this episode of the Roto World Football podcast thanks so much for coming on nick and we will talk to you next week yeah thanks Ray. good luck and we are back with rich rebar new new father rich rebar actually not new he's been it for a long time but another one in the way mazel tov my friend uh how are you doing I'm doing good. A little, a little tired, but you know, my son was born yesterday in the early morning into the city of champions. Still, it is still the city of champions. <laughs> um, the, the World Series is still up one nothing at this moment, so I'll still claim city of champions. But yeah, he, he he arrived yesterday, and we're good to go. Luckily, he arrived on a week with six teams on by. I was able to still get work done at the hospital and, and crank out the worksheet. It just went live, you know. Now it now being Wednesday night, so I mean, it's up and, and we're ready to go for week eight. Yeah, it's good. It, it was a weird Wednesday to not have the worksheet to to read, but obviously, uh, I think I think we can give you a pass on that. You know, give you a give you a slight pass. Do you have a scouting report yet on this uh, on this child? D one for sure. I mean, he's he's more like a Cole Beasley type, as I tweeted out. You know, more quicker than fast. You know, kind of always in the right spot. You know, a grinder. So he'll be a Mike. He'll be a Mike Mayock special. Is what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. He he might go undrafted, but he'll make the team. A Gruden grinder, if you will. <laughs> so remember, you could follow you could follow Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves, and we mentioned the worksheet must read every single week. I'm not even joking. My Wednesday was odd without the worksheet to go through 
and get all of the all of the wonderful statistics, all the wonderful analysis that Rich provides every week. But we are going to hit on some of that as we do every single Thursday on this very podcast. And let's get started with Derek Carr, who is currently the quarterback seven overall, but he's just the quarterback 12 in per game scoring. And he's coming off two very subpar performances this week. He gets to go on the road to face the Buccaneers. Do you think he's going to turn it around? Yeah, I think this is a good spot for him. Like you said, he's cooled off a touch here the past two weeks at QB 26, QB 20, and he's really having trouble pushing the ball down the field. I mean, he averages just 10.4 yards per completion. That's ahead of just Aaron Rodgers and Joe Flacco. Uh, for full-time starters on the season. But this week, he should see that number take a swing forward as Tampa Bay is allowing 12.7 yards per completion. That's tied for the highest in the league with the team Carr plays for, the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Tampa Bay uh, hasn't allowed a top 15 quarterback in four straight games, uh, but there's more underneath the hood as they face Case Keenum, uh, Denver when Simeon left and was injured. Uh, Derek Anderson and Colin Kaepernick last week. That's not exactly a daunting rogues gallery. Uh, so despite that light schedule, the Bucks still rank 25th in passing points allowed per pass attempt, and they're allowing a touchdown once every 19.2 pass attempts. That's also 25th in the league. So I think this is a good spot in, in what could be a projected shootout, which feels like the Raiders' like 100th game in the past two years on the East Coast. I think they have like seven this year. Like I'm not even joking about that number. I think that that's the number. It's really their schedule. Their schedule has been absolutely crazy. It's been a ton of road games, a ton of East Coast road games. So yep. it's it's uh it's been odd for them for sure. You mentioned it. The Bucks have been better against the pass. The schedule hasn't been there. We'll kind of have to see. I mean, with them running as much as they are, with their kind of change in game plan on offense, they should be able to run against the Raiders. This could be a weird game. Like this could be a game that kind of looks like a shootout on on the surface, but ends up being ends up being. A, a little more slow paced, a little more low scoring. So I'm I'm a little worried about Carr, but I agree with you. This is this is a spot where where maybe he can get right. A guy that I'm in no way worried about at all is Devontae Freeman. Tevin Coleman looks likely to sit with a hamstring injury. The Packers are still Pretty good against the run, but with Coleman out, Freeman's a must-start, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was echoed in the summer that Freeman was an inefficient player who was carried solely by immense volume last season, and while that's not an inaccurate descriptor for his 2015, uh, at least for the second half of that season, that has not been the story so far. As he's the RB9 in PPR leagues while having just 36.5% of the Atlanta touches on the season. Uh, he's also done that without scoring touchdowns as well. I mean, just 16.7% of Freeman's fantasy output is from touchdown production. That's the lowest of all backs in the top 12 of seasonal scoring. The average for that group is 30%. Now Tevin Coleman, like you said, is expected to miss this week's game. He's leaving 11.1 touches per game on the table, and Freeman should scoop up probably two-thirds of those, uh, unless Stephen Ridley is going to take some of those. <laughs> <laughs> or Teron Ward. Yeah, and like you said, Green Bay ha ha has been a run defense we we've wanted to avoid but they've also been tested just once on the season i mean over their six games the only team rushing for over 100 yards per game with the green bay meeting removed is the dallas cowboys i mean the lions the vikings the bears the jaguars and the giants are all averaging just 85 yards rushing uh yards per game combined outside of the games against the packers that is not very good. Uh, Atlanta comes in rushing for 115 yards per game. Their running backs average 176 yards from scrimmage a game. I definitely think the Packers are a defense that's probably in the middle of what their early season total suggests and what the Cowboys did to them. But if you're going to give me 25-plus touches on an offense that's going as well as the Falcons are, um, 
and, and you're gonna give me that receiving goal line work. I mean, Freeman should be locked in RB one now, no matter what uh, defense he's facing. I, I like to tell you that when you said Lions and Vikings and Bears, it, it was very difficult <laughs> for me not to yell out, "Oh my!" I just want you to just wanted you to know how how much self restraint I showed that obviously I've completely abandoned by telling you that. Anyway, you're right um, that they haven't faced anybody except Zeke Elliott, and he and he destroyed them, but. I think this defense is legit. I really do. Yeah. And so it's 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 going to be it's going to be tricky but opportunity. For running backs opportunity is everything and he's certainly going to get it. Brandon Marshall's gotten a ton of opportunities this year, but he's not really doing anything with them. He's been wildly inefficient with his looks. Maybe that's quarterback play, maybe that's age. We don't really know. Has a great matchup this week against the Browns. Do you think he's going to turn it around? Yeah, we expected some recoil from Marshall's 2015 season, but he's been a letdown overall. He's finished outside of the top 40 in four of a seven games. That's more times than he did that all of 2015. You hinted at it as well. Uh, efficiency has been his bugaboo. I mean, he's caught just 44% of his targets. It's the lowest of all re- wide receivers with 40 or more targets on the season. But this week does set up as a get-right spot as Cleveland has just been roasted by lead receivers so far. They've allowed five top 10 scores in the season, 100 yards receiving to five different receivers. They're allowing the most fantasy points per target to opposing wideouts. Um, and then plus Cleveland has allowed multiple touchdown passes in every game this season and 15 of their past 16 games dating back to last year. So I think this is a good spot for some of that volume to actually roll over into production. And I mean, if you don't get it this week, uh, then red flag and, and sound the siren on Brandon Marshall. Speaking of, I mean, there's another team in that exact situation, and that is the Houston Texans who are getting – the Lions, who have just been abysmal against the pass. Now it looks like they're going to be without Darius Slay. That doesn't really affect C.J. Fedorowicz, but C.J. Fedorowicz is also in a great spot against the Lions that have just been horrible against tight ends. He's become a much bigger part of the Texans' offense. Is he a top-10 tight end this week? You know, I didn't think we'd be here, and Fedorowicz was a guy I didn't really like throughout the draft process as well. I thought he was more similar to Troy Nicholas, more of like a blocking-only type guy. Uh, but here he is, fantasy-relevant over the past month, uh, while the Houston receivers have not been. Uh, Fedorowicz has three top-12 scoring weeks over his past four. He's been in double-digit PPR points in three of those four. He's averaged 17% of the team targets per game over the last month. Now he faces a Lions team that has been the gift to all tight ends. They've allowed six tight end one scoring weeks to opposing tight ends so far, and that includes guys like Lance Kendricks, the ghost of Vernon Davis last week. They've allowed seven touchdowns to tight ends and 19 touchdowns to tight ends over their past 23 games. And they are another team. They've allowed 18 passing touchdowns, the same amount as Cleveland. So uh, by process uh, of the Houston be able to throw more than usually, I mean, he should see some trickle down through that as well. And I'm going to make you go out before we finish this. I'm going to make you come out on this plank with me. Are you in on starting Brock Osweiler this week? Oh yeah. 100%. You know, we were kind of talking about it earlier. I think when you look at Osweiler's schedule and from a fantasy stance, he's delivered in the games. He should, he had 17 points against the bears, 17 points against the Titans, 17 points against the Colts was good. in all those games, the games, he was completely horrible. Denver, uh, Kansas city, Minnesota. Um, the other one's losing me off the top of my head real fast. Uh, but he, he's, He's not a good quarterback, but listen, I don't care. What guys are facing the Lions, they're good fantasy options. I think that this is a good week for him to at least put up multiple touchdowns and you know probably clear you know 200, 250 yards passing. So I think he's fine just to use. Well, that's good because I needed someone to go down with me whenever he inevitably goes for 140 yards and zero touchdowns. So I appreciate you doing that, Rich. I appreciate you coming on. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at 
Lord Reeves. You can find his work at rotoworld.com. You can also find Nick's work at rotoworld. Find him on Twitter at Nick Minzio. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you find it. And that's about it. We'll talk to you next week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.